The chants are from Bernie Sanders supporters at the Democratic National Convention. They're protesting the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade agreement that President Barack Obama has struck with 11 Asian Pacific nations. It's an important policy initiative for the president. Obama argues that the deal will help the American economy compete and will help check China's financial and strategic ambitions. I'm Jane Norman with CQ Roll Call, sitting in for Adriel Bettelheim. We're joined today with our trade reporter, Ellen Ferguson from CQ, to explain why the trade deal has become such a hot-button issue, one that's forced Democrats to walk a tightrope. Ellen, you've covered this issue closely and for a long time. What's driving the opposition? Well, the people who oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership are concerned that it uh, would continue trade policies that they attribute to lost jobs, income inequality, um, stagnation of wages, just a bad effect on certain parts of the country and particularly on manufacturing. They're concerned that it's just a big, big, supersized version of past trade agreements, and they are not mollified by the explanations and the very kind of pro-economic and pro-national security arguments that the administration has been making. Why don't you uh, explain to us just what all the Trans-Pacific Partnership would encompass? What, what all would it involve? I'm going to give you the very short version because it's more than 5,000 pages with side letters. It's the result of more than eight years of negotiations. It first started under President Bush. Uh, the Obama administration came in, took over, and then sort of became the lead country on it. It had been started by smaller countries, and the United States entered in and was able to get Japan to join it. Those are the two major economies in the Trans-Pacific Partnership. It's a total of 12 nations, ranging from Brunei to New Zealand. It covers things like reducing tariffs, primarily in the other TPP countries, because by and large, most of the tariffs in the United States are already low. For the United States, pluses are that it addresses areas where there are high tariffs in other countries for certain industries, particularly agriculture, uh, the exporting parts of agriculture are supporting uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership because it reduces some tariffs and gives them greater market access into Japan, which many of them are trying to increase their presence there. It also addresses non-tariff issues, things that policies that have developed over the years that sort of impede the, the growth and the export of sort of technology services, financial services, services or industries that really were not prominent in the past that most of our trade agreements do not cover. That's one of the reasons the president and his supporters call it a 21st century trade agreement. And it also includes, when this has been one of the flashpoints, something called the investor state dispute settlement. It's a part of other trade agreements. Uh, basically, it's arbitration. The plus for U.S. companies is that it would set sort of similar rules among the 11 TPP members for resolving issues that they believe impede sales or, or impede exports or somehow are unjustified. That has been a real flashpoint for the opponents who say it allows corporations, both U.S. corporations and foreign corporations, to challenge public interest laws, public health laws, 
without giving recourse to the public. Again, that's sort of in the weeds, but I think you can expect the opponents to be picking up on that because they've done surveys, and they believe that's one way that they can move the public on this issue. And as you point out, President Barack Obama has been a big supporter of TPP. This has been this has been something that his administration has been very interested in. Yet the Democratic Party is split on this, and we've seen it very clearly at the Democratic National Convention. Ellen, this has been such a contentious issue for the Democratic Party and for Hillary Clinton in particular. And it's been uh, certainly a huge issue for the Bernie Sanders supporters within the, within the party. Why is that? It pits elements of the Democratic base against each other it, in terms of where they stand on trade. And in particular for um, Hillary Clinton, she has got the support of labor unions, and they are vital for most Democratic candidates because they've got the the network, the organizing discipline. They can hit the streets and they can get out the information and they can get people to the polls. The labor unions oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Most of the activists, particularly the supporters of Bernie Sanders, they're unsure about how firmly she's committed to um, fighting TPP, even though she has committed herself to, um, she has said that she opposes it, it's flawed and it needs to be changed or not passed. But on the other hand, Hillary Clinton's also trying to appeal to the business community, to moderate Democrats, to tech people who, by and large, support the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or at least trade as a theory and as an economic model. And so she's trying to balance that. Now, she's been struck off balance by uh, Senator Sanders, who campaigned very strongly and made a stance against the Trans-Pacific Partnership a mainstay of his campaign. And many of his followers and his supporters are adamant that the Trans-Pacific Partnership cannot be approved, should not be approved, definitely not in the lame duck session, and perhaps not ever. They view it as um, a continuation of trade policies that they blame for economic stagnation, wage depression, particularly for blue-collar workers. Uh, That's another division within the Democratic Party. There's concern that the Trans-Pacific Partnership emphasizes too much the so-called knowledge industries, tech industries, as opposed to manufacturing. So that's why she's kind of caught in the bind there. Uh, If she wants to move forward, she needs the support of the unions 100%, and she needs their votes. But on the other hand, she wants the Democratic Party to, to be part of the current economic system, which relies increasingly on these knowledge industries, on diversification. Uh, Governor McAuliffe of Virginia kind of stirred the pot with his comments that, well, he thought that she would probably, once she became president, with a few changes to TPP, if it hadn't gotten through Congress, you know, she would make some changes and basically send it through and back the, um, the congressional support. He had to kind of backtrack from that. Her campaign manager had to tweet and then go on you know, before broadcast and broadcast and, and say, no, she opposes TPP. That still isn't quite enough to, um, I think, address the concerns and the uneasiness some of the Sanders supporters have about just how um, adamant she is in her opposition. They were very clear with him. That was a central point of his campaigning and using trade agreements as sort of a 
code for their concerns about income inequality, about economic stagnation, about people feeling as though they are stuck in this rut. They have kind of transferred all of us to trade, and that's where you see the sort of tension in the party. Yeah, so Governor McAuliffe did, did walk back those comments about Hillary Clinton. But then there was another element to this, too, when, when uh, Tim Kaine was picked as the vice presidential candidate. And this stirred some new concerns among progressives and, and some of the Bernie Sanders faction. Can you, can you tell us why they were worried about Tim Kaine? Well, uh, Senator Kaine had been pro-trade, had made a number of positive comments about TPP. He voted for fast track in the Senate. Um, one of, I believe it was 13 uh, Senate Democrats who backed it and just barely got it over the line. Um, so that was their concern is we have concerns about Hillary Clinton's position on trade, and she's gone and picked someone who they would uh, describe as you know, pro-trader. What exactly is she saying to us? Well, um, since then, uh, Senator Kane has modified his position. Um through his office, he has said that he, while there are some good points in the trade agreement, it's not a trade agreement he can support as it is currently. Whether that will move is enough to assuage concerns remains a question. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, it's become such an issue. And as you say, it speaks to some of these concerns about economic uh, inequality in the country. So then we move back to Congress. What is going on with the trade agreement in Congress? What's the next step now? Well, it's unclear. Um, I think there is growing sentiment that maybe TPP is dead for this Congress, that they won't be able to work out some of the sticking points. The pharmaceutical industry still has some concerns, still have not been resolved. The rhetoric and the positions of both the presidential nominee, uh, Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump, and now of Hillary Clinton is against trade, against this particular trade agreement. So lawmakers usually don't like to stick their necks out, and it's sort of unclear what they would gain for voting for it. So the the future of TPP in this Congress is still uncertain. The administration continues to actively court support. Just this week, I've gotten two or three uh, releases from groups that have backed TPP that are basically reaffirming their support for the trade agreement and calling on Congress to vote. But we probably really won't know until after the election and depending on what the polls say and what the results are as to whether or not there's going to be a vote. Now, if there isn't a vote, that doesn't necessarily mean that the trade agreement's dead. Um, this fast track that I've made reference to several times uh, basically sets out the framework for bringing trade agreements to Congress. It sets up timetables, negotiating principles for future trade agreements, and gives the president uh, until 2018 to bring trade agreements under those guidelines. They can be extended for an additional three years. The question is, what will happen with the countries that are part of the TPP? Japan at this point has said that it's not interested in revisiting TPP if it, Congress doesn't pass it. It's not interested in a bilateral agreement with the United States. It's also busily negotiating its own trade agreements with other countries. Now, how much of that is bluff on their part? Who can tell? How much of it they actually mean? Who can tell? And what would that mean? If Japan doesn't want to revisit it, the smaller economies, the other nations may, not also, may also not want to revisit it. 
So there you have a really in-depth look at what's going on with trade uh, this year, both in Congress and on the campaign trail, where we're going to continue to be hearing about it. And so thank you so much to Ellen Ferguson for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcasts. Thank you. I'm Jane Norman.